Hello, I'm Nicola Bryant, and I have a restraining order against the dirty hooers. Dirty Hooers. Cross-Atlantic nitpicking about Doctor Who. From four grown adults who should probably know better. From four grown adults who should probably be working. We're not afraid to say it like it is. All the word bollocks. www.dirtyhooers.com Follow us on Twitter at Dirty Hooers. If you like that kind of thing. Also on Facebook. Deal with it. Geronimo! Fantastic. L on C. Cock. With your hosts. Number one assistant. Terry Lightfoot. Oolon Sputters Sputnik. Resident Pixie. Fuchsia Begonia. Lord President Sen. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here to record some kind of review thing for the start of this new malarkey what's on telly nowadays that is barely canon. We are going to do two episodes in one go. <laughs> we are going to do Let's Kill Hitler and we are going to do Night Terrors. We are the Gelf. Pity the Gelf. So Let's Kill Hitler was the usual crowd and it was directed by Richard Senior. Who cares enough to go first? Well, Let's uh, Kill Hitler was okay, actually. There wasn't any John Pertwee in it, not as I saw. Oh, my God. I haven't drunk anywhere near enough. <laughs> We have a rating system. Our rating system goes between some low number, which is about blowjobs, and some high number, which is about the value of really good prostitutes in the 70s. That sums it up. Wow, $50 in the 70s. This is what happens when I've not been drinking. God damn it. Fucking go get a drink now. Okay, 20, but they'd have to get their own taxi home. 20 for me, flat 20. Flatter than Amy Pond's fucking chest, 20. Oh, boy, that's concave. God, you go. Meow. <laughs> 10 I'll give it a 20 you are very magnanimous don't get me wrong I thought it was a really nice story arc I hated Mel at first but I thought who the fuck is this fucker they've just fucking crowed into my fucking television program and then they turned it round because it was all part of it and it was kind of cool and I liked the whole concept from being somebody who really vehemently disliked River Pond they turned me around and that's great however the fucking Tesselector or whatever it's called do you remember the numbskulls from the Beano the American audience won't understand what the fuck we're going on about but if you go to Beano.com and look up the numbskulls all will become apparent they were these tiny little people that lived inside a giant big human body and dealt with things like Johnny has flatulence today the numbskulls will deal with it and they ran around inside Johnny pulling levers and shit like that I'm pretty sure that Moffat got his inspiration from the numbskulls and that was just in the back of my head all the way through and what the fuck were those jellyfish things even about oh they were so awful just with their little tentacles wiggling that would look crap in the same <laughs> they weren't wiggling. They were just dangling and moving around like... A so really, for me, oh. what turned it into a 20 and didn't damn it beyond all belief was I liked where they rounded off the story arc and I thought the Doctor had a really nice new coat. <laughs> Love that. A little bit hurt. Also, just to the point, what the fuck was Alex Kingston on? Had they gone, well, it's the last time we're having you for a while, so we'll give you fuckloads of smack and you can run around like a loon and overact like tenant on speed. <laughs> Regeneration <laughs> crisis? Ring any bells? Yeah, okay, great. Yeah. But it just didn't work and anyway she was more of the character before than any metacrisis regeneration shenanigans so on the whole there you go there's my next round flat 20 who else wants to go well i gotta find some fucking booze
As far as the numbskulls, I'll agree with you in that I was really puzzled by how stupid the people that were running this test selector were. Haven't they worked out their protocol with their little wristwatchy things? Fuck, you're about to be killed. You'd think that they'd have that down. The story sort of felt a little bit like a non-story. It was really strange. I mean, because he was throwing out information and tying up a bunch of loose ends. But they didn't feel like real plot points, even though they resolved plot from the past. And Mel, she bugged me too when she first showed up. But then once you see the flashback, and you immediately understand. And her entrance was very River Song. You expected her to be River Song when she jumped out of that car. So it made sense. i only giving it a 20 because it didn't really feel like a complete story. I at first was pissed off about the Hitler red herring. But then, okay, it's kind of funny, tongue-in-cheek. The whole episode was a little silly in the same way that the City of Death is silly. We're delivering you this really serious moment where the doctor's dying but at the same time there's just goofy stuff going on mm. oh i'm gonna go get clothes so i'm going to go to a big restaurant and terrorize people and take their clothes off and uh, it's just what why not break the window on a shop and steal some clothes i don't know where are all the humans? They have gathered in the village hall to discuss the invasion. There seems to be an awful lot of them. Yes, it is a mass debate. Mass debate. Mass debate. Mass debate. Mass debate. I like the story as a whole, the resolution to several plot lines. I didn't have as big of a problem with the inconsistency of River Song's character for exactly the reason Fuchsia said. I think the personality being haywire right after regeneration works. We've seen it before. It wasn't so much her personality. It was almost her overacting. Because don't forget, it's not like with a new Doctor where we haven't seen the character before. We've seen this character and it's established. I'm so used to Tennant overacting that I just didn't think anything of it. So. You've got to bear in mind the thing that Colin Baker was going for. The way people thought that they were going to do him as grumpy because of his regeneration, then he was going to mellow out. I'm sorry, fuck it. And Romana managed perfectly well with the regeneration. Romana just regenerated and cracked on. It doesn't always happen. It's important if you're a doctor to have that moment, to have that point of change for the audience. With her, she was just fucking gurning. Yeah, fair enough. What I could not get past, and I'm glad that Terry could, was what they did to Hitler. I have in front of me right now the Doctor Who episode guide on Wikipedia. And I'm looking at Marco Polo, the Aztecs, the Reign of Terror, the Romans, the Crusade, the Time Meddler, the Myth Maker. These are all episodes that were designed to be educational to a family, that were designed to get children interested about history, and yet impress upon people how life-changing and culture-changing the events in human history have been. I will never be okay with making light of the Nazi Party or Hitler or what happened during that era. And a show that has its roots as being educational to the family has no business doing what Stephen Muffet did in that story. Hitler is not funny. He never will be. And I don't care how much he thinks that Doctor Who should be liked. That was not funny. And I'm not okay with that. And it ruined the episode, and frankly, it ruined my opinion of Stephen Moffat. I do not take everything he does at face value anymore. He has ruined every single historical character he has touched. And that is the core of what Doctor Who is supposed to be. I mean, I was was really offended with Churchill. God, as an American, I was offended by Churchill. You guys must be going (laughs) apeshit over what he did in that episode. (laughs) Although I will tell you a funny story. When we were at Hooverville the other week, we didn't actually get to interview Ian McNeese. He was a guest there. But he was telling this story to the non-18-rated podcasts 
which oh, is even more hilarious. There was some seriously um, messed up stuff. Why didn't they give him to the 18 rated podcast and poor Sarah Sutton uh, to the nice family friendly podcast? Because they gave her to Faros Project. Oh my God, it was a thing to behold. It was the first podcast she'd ever done. <laughs> Gentlemen, if you're listening, I will always remember rudimentary papoose. Now, if I'm getting a little too much in a conversation and my wife is in the same room and there's people there with children or lives or whatever, she uses the phrase, <laughs> darling, the rudimentary papoose. If at any point you feel that you may like to escape, we're going to use the security code rudimentary papoose. I have to say rudimentary papoose. That's... So the non-18 rated podcasts are busy interviewing Ian McNeese and he's talking about the preparation he'd done for playing Churchill and he'd gone to visit Churchill's grave and apparently it was a very atmospheric, misty night and he could hear the voice of Churchill saying, whatever you do, don't f*** this up. You can say uh, fuck it up, future. You know, we have got an 18 rating. I can. don't know if you say that. Sure, we'll never say fuck. Yeah. <laughs> never say fuck. Uh, <laughs> down, 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 down. Never say fuck. Fuck. Could you see the looks of absolute terror on all these podcasters' faces as Ian McNeese just Fs and blinds at them? And then somebody leant over and went, you do realise he yelled F very loudly in a room full of children earlier during his presentation. <laughs> so as if that wasn't bad enough, so the conversation goes on. He said, yes, now I'm afraid to go back because I know if I go back, I'm going to hear that voice going, well, you really f***ed that up, didn't you? <laughs> Never say fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we got to produce that song. Never say fuck. Never say fuck. Never say fuck. Never say fuck. The thing with this episode was it's been like an awful lot of the modern series. It looks pretty, it cracks along at a fair old pace, but the moment you start to look at it in any detail, it completely and utterly falls apart. It made no sense whatsoever. Dialogue was lovely, cracking performances. The test selector was a stupidly, unnecessarily complicated way of doing anything. None of them bothered to check the date. The fact that they turned yeah. up too early. <laughs> I it's know, perfectly like... alright for them to murder some bloke when they have no information on whether it was the time he died or not, but they couldn't possibly kill Hitler in 1938 and avoid all the things that he did. And all right. of a sudden they're going to kill River for killing right. her I, I, uh, at some point in the future, even though she couldn't have done it yet. Yeah. It didn't make any sense, and that was yeah. my major problem with it. It was all fur coat, no knickers. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I like that. So basically you're willing to pay $20 for something that may have extra bits downstairs that you didn't know about. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in my case, it's the extra awesome. bits wouldn't be such a problem, would it? Yeah, well, yeah. Okay, <laughs> extra bits upstairs then. Bollocks. <laughs> Man boobs. That's what I'm saying, boobs. Do you have any favourite quotes? I like rule one, the doctor lies. Mm, I have problems with that because they're overplaying it. Something chronic in this series. It's a fat mission. And it's, yeah, just, and it's considering... becoming as unsubtle as Torchwood. Oh, did somebody say Torchwood? I think it is more subtle than that. And I think in yeah. two episodes time that totally pays off. I like the whole exchange between young Amy and Rory about him being gay. Oh. <laughs> absolutely awesome because let's be honest us guys on this show and well any guy listening to this show are first class dweebs we've all been there so 
I was in a room full of people at the weekend and they were talking about sexual encounters they had, some of which were gay sexual encounters, some of which were slightly transgender sexual encounters, some of which they ended up in a situation where they thought, oh, there's too many cocks in this room and one of them's mine. After they'd all shared, I got to say, well, actually, my sexuality is quite unusual. And they said, what do you mean, Ilan? What do you mean? And I said, well, my sexuality is quite individual because I'm actually one of six heterosexual Doctor Who fans in the entire world. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You are weird. I know. Heterosexual agenda. I'm a, a sci-fi geek. I'm a musician. And I'm a choral singer musician. So even the musicians are pretty much sure I'm gay. So that scene, I'm looking at that going, Rory, you are my new hero. <laughs> if I had to put a vote on somebody I know who definitely wasn't gay, by your very voice alone, you have testicles the size of an Aston Martin. There is no fucking way on God's green earth you're gay, man. <laughs> Thank you very much. There's 200 students that would disagree with you, but thank you. You're, you're quite welcome, Sam. So come on, next. It's Rory sitting on the desk going, I've got this strange banging in my head. And Amy going, I think that's Hitler in the cupboard. Oh, yeah. It has to be Rory because, let's face it, Rory is rapidly becoming by far the best character in the entire show. Hitler, what do we do yeah. with things we don't like? Put them in the cupboard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really liked it when Rory's just trying to muddle through. He's doing the best he can, and he's ending up being very heroic and strong unintentionally. And the doctor tells him to put a Hitler in the cupboard, and he's right, okay, Hitler goes in the cupboard. Sure, I can do that. I must admit, I do like the way Rory's always first to put his hand up when doctor says, him, like, right, who's for fish and chips? And Rory goes, uh, yeah, yeah, fish and chips, brilliant, yeah. He's still very much down to earth. He's still very much mm -hmm. in the now. And we've had episodes recently, which we're not talking about on this one, but he's said stuff and done stuff <laughs> which have just rocketed Rory in my estimations. He's the everyman that Doctor yes. Who needs. Amy's the aberration. Yes. <laughs> right. But, you know, that, that makes sense because opposites attract. And who's going to put up with Amy but someone who's really patient and heroic? No, I'm sorry. I disagree you with know. the whole opposites attract thing. <laughs> Me and my wife are both as mad as a bag of fucking cats. We're entirely the same individual in different ways. She's a bit more physically creative. <laughs> oh, yeah. But other than that. All right. We're here at Hooverville with the lovely Nicola Bryant. So what are you working on at the moment? Well, I've just been finishing a very long and complex filming that I'm not allowed to talk about because I had to sign the Official Secrets Act to do it. So that's a bit tricky, isn't it? That's Ooh. a very serious answer. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> You've got any more big finishes lined up. I'm sure there are some more coming, but I don't know exactly when. Because it has to be said, Perry and the Piscon Paradox was amazing. I thought everybody's performances in it were really special, very, very moving as well, particularly with what happens in the second disc. Oh, it was just so fulfilling to do. I feel very lucky to have had that script and that opportunity. Fantastic. If you could be mm -hmm. a cake or biscuit, mm -hmm. what cake or biscuit would you be? I'm not the kind of woman who could ever be forced to choose between a cake or a biscuit. <laughs> if I was a biscuit, I would be doughy and squidgy and sticky in the middle, and I'd have raisins in and oats and brown sugar sprinkled on top. And if I was a cake, I would probably have lots of fresh fruit, strawberries and raspberries and cream in the middle. Ooh, something like um, a pavlova. Yes, yeah, sort of like a pavlova, but a cake that's got lots of fresh fruit and cream and ice cream and it would be simply huge. <laughs> Excellent, that's what we like to hear. <laughs> Do you have a favourite tipple? Ooh, I like a very good single malt. 
I like a good vodka from the freezer. But otherwise, I really enjoy a glass of wine, a good Bordeaux, or when we have nice, lovely, warm weather, a lovely <laughs> chilled rosé. A nice chilled wine goes down very well. Excellent. If there's anyone in history that you could meet, who would it be and why? Today, and it will probably be different every single day that you'd ask me, today I have an urge to meet Einstein. I would simply love to sit and listen to him explaining to me all of his theories. And because I think he had so many wise things to say, not just about science, but about life. Mm, definitely. And about creativity mm. and how you discover things that are there within your reach. I think reaching out and discovering and being brave, that sort of aspect of him fascinates me. That's lovely. Thank you very much for your time. You're very welcome. And now we're going to go on to Night Terrors, which was directed by Richard Clark. It was Paul Gattis, wasn't it, Night Terrors? No, it's Mark Gattis. Whatever he fucking is. I'm bored of him. I'm bored of him being on my fucking television with his stupid, skinny, mutton-chop face. I'm just bored of him. He fucking appears in things which are really good that Stephen Moffat's written and then does the weak one. Three months later... Bored, bored of Gattis. Oh, Jesus. You are so exaggerated. Or maybe. He's fine. I think he's really <laughs> overrated. I'm sorry, I do. And I have done since Sherlock. Just bored of Mark Gattis. Oh, that's it. You fear me now, Doctor. What do you want? I'm not sure. I haven't thought of anything yet. Oh. Maybe I should, I, should, I should come back tomorrow. Yeah, come, come back tomorrow when you've had a chance to think things through. Yes, I will have a plan, and you can stop me if you can, Time Lord. All right, see you then. I'd have to say 20 again, but for different reasons. I- I'm going to agree with that, too. 20. I'll go with 20 this time. I like this one more. I'm going to go 20, but she better bring biscuits. You just ranted about the writer. You're seriously going to give this more 20 bucks? And one of the big problems of this is I guessed it. I guessed it from the word go, and that's what's crippling me. It mm. was a nice episode. This could be happening next door to you. I love episodes that have got kids in them. Something horrible in the wardrobe is just a freaking classic. I used to think there was something living under my bed. There was, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> when you say that you guessed it, what do you mean? I guessed the cuckoo bit, almost from the word go. <laughs> it's not a cuckoo! The kid was a cuckoo. It's not a cuckoo! It's Basically, that was my theory. He's been planted. As soon as we saw the doctor going through the photo, I thought, oh, okay, I've studied film theory, and I know that you see things and plant things, but also, as soon as she picked up that pan, I went, this is my, oh, oh, fuck. It's a doll's house, isn't it? Well, I think that's why she picks up the thing and says it's made of wood, so that we can get the doll's house. Yeah, but they seed that for children and for retarded lighthouse keepers who can't get up to the (laughs) chapel because they're bad. Retarded lighthouse keepers. Basically, and for me, uh-huh. this episode, it just didn't advance anything. It didn't advance the no, doctor, it didn't. it didn't advance any of the technology. Okay, there's a bit about perception uh-huh. filters. I like the bit where the psychic okay. paper receives the message, but as soon as it did that, I thought the kid's an alien. And yeah, the rest right. out afterwards. Yeah, yeah. No human kid could do shit like that. I've only watched it the once, but was the landlord sucked into the carpet and killed? No. Lord, he came back at the end. He the came light, back at the end. totally fucked with a bad landlord, and the kid's going to feel insecure again and just kill everybody. I mean, this is the whole point. That's the doctor didn't actually resolve the situation put it off till later it was a short term fix that meant that he could get out of it 
but he didn't actually sort it out at all. Well, I think he sorted out the relationship between the father and the son. They came to an understanding. Uh, I'll just have to be really nice to the kid because I'm terrified of him now. And if I'm not really nice to him, he'll feel insecure and burn his way through me like a son. Yeah, that was kind of unsettling when the doctor said, just watch out for puberty. (laughs) Yeah, I'll come back Uh, around. Really? He's going to come back around? He's not going to come back. It's like the fucking doctor because he lies. Right, exactly. (laughs) thing, I love it because the doctor has lied since forever. Little bit in William Hartnell, then you really start seeing it in McCoy. He lied a lot. I enjoyed the episode. It felt like classic Who. It was a nice story for kids more than adults, which might be why it was easier for you to guess. I wasn't as disturbed as I was when I watched the story in the Twilight Zone where Billy Mummy, mm. everyone he dislikes, cornfield. <laughs> but I enjoyed this more because there's a solution, and it's like the kid is viewing everyone around him as the monster, but then we're watching the story and we know he's the monster. It's about how we have to overcome that gap between us and them to undo the label of monster. Love is the answer. A cheesy solution there. But at the same time, I don't know. It was a sweet Love ending. is never the answer. The doctor um, lies. And the other problem being that they did it so much better at the end of the Doctor Dances and it was virtually... <laughs> oh, I, like, I really like Doctor Dances. Yeah, that was but they just one nicked of the, the ending, yeah. bunged it onto this and uh, I've seen it before and it was better the first time. Do you know, Dr. Dance is one of the few new series ones I might actually give a 50. Same oh, yeah. Definitely. I'm with you. I was annoyed by the use of the perception filter again. Again. Right. Oh, at least you didn't get the TARDIS count and make something out of that. That's the most annoying thing yeah. ever. It started to become like the magic wand screwdriver. Oh, perception filter. Let's just sort of Perception filter. Deadlock seal. Deadlock seal. Perception filter. Perception filter. Yeah, perception filter. Seal. Deadlock seal. Yeah. Fuckers. Let me just use the screwdriver like Dr. McCoy uses his little medical scanner. I just look bullshit. Beast's got a medical scanner. Beast's got a medical scanner. I suppose he must have. He is Henry McCoy. He is the brains and brawn of this team. His mutant name is Beast. If you need that many crutches to move the plot along, maybe you should all learn how to write a better story. Just say it. Please. Is this? Gone, Sonic dead. It's like the bitchiest podcast that we've done, and I think it's all Ulan's fault. You set the tone for the whole no. show. No, I, I want the next Doctor to be a cross between Wilf Lunn and Heinz Wolf, maybe even in looks and age as well, and just fix everything with bits of string and the pins off backs of badges out of their pockets. That would be awesome. Screw the Sonic. I did enjoy the tea-making scene when they're in the kitchen talking. Mm. That was nice. So overall, I thought it was a nice classic episode. Not as terrible as you're making out to be. I think it was quite enjoyable, especially for children. I thought it was a good message. So, a 20. Although, I do understand all your nicks and picks. Still, I went 20. It carried along and I didn't think everybody else would have guessed it. I certainly didn't think kids would have guessed it. Of this series so far, and at the time of recording, we've had three episodes. It's probably the most pounds. Bullshit. I no. Really? Well, I mean, it depends on whether you're just judging it from the three that we've seen in this half series or the entire run of series six. Because if it's the entire run of series six, then Black Spot is still the crappiest one. Uh, I didn't mind Black Spot as much as the rest of you. I mean, if we're talking crap, I'd have to say Black Spot, but I really didn't think it was that crap. I really think this series is pretty good overall. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think Still not feeling the love. No, I got to uncharacteristically agree with Terry. I'm a little more annoyed by the very first episode with the impossible astronaut. I think we got to wait for the payoff there. 
I think that has suck potential, but we gotta wait on that one. <laughs> the fact that they broke up the series and made us wait so long. Oh, I hate that shit. That really broke up the pace of the whole series. And, it really you know, did. I would have had an easier time waiting for the Let's Kill Hitler episode if I knew it was happening in a couple weeks rather than three months. Well, this is it. I mean, Let's so, Kill Hitler as well actually had a bit of payoff for the silence. At least it carried it forward when the yeah. ultimate question to life, the universe, and everything, how many roads must a man walk down is asked then <laughs> the silence will fall and the silence built the river song to come and do the do against the dock this one we got nothing it was a filler episode oh, and it felt like, like a filler a episode thing, really eh? oh that's not fair i really loved unquiet dead idiot's lantern was good to a point but it had an agenda behind it which didn't really go with the story it was utterly superfluous to the plot Ugh, the dalek episode i can never truly hate it because of the dalek offering him a cup of tea and the shifty dalek <laughs> in the background yeah and this was better than the shifty dalek episode by far if we're gonna rank them unquiet dead it was great this was definitely the best of the other three that he's done. From my standpoint, there's a couple of things that are annoying. As a biologist, the kid was not a cuckoo. A cuckoo is something that actively destroys what is already in the nest, and there was nothing in the nest. It's so, called a metaphor, yeah. scientist girl. It's called a <laughs> metaphor. It's a nice atmospheric story. It was going to be scary for kids. It was reasonably nicely handled, but cocking up your metaphor for a start, and the whole let's just nick the ending from a much better story left a bit of a sour taste going last here i agree with all you guys i am getting bored with goddess we've done enough of these podcasts now we start to see some patterns emerging about what the four of us say and i am once again going to say about a mark goddess episode wow he took an unoriginal premise and did a fairly nice job with a decent spin okay so this was fine the first couple of times but is this really all he does does he take a tired and worn out premise and try and make it original and sort of make it original i mean come on i didn't particularly love let's kill hitler but at least it was original no one's ever written anything quite like that before okay. <laughs> for good or for bad <laughs> but i liked it too i thought it did flow well there just wasn't anything engaging happening and we guessed it right away too i love the fact that he's raising the bar and writing episodes for older children and he's demanding more emotionally and intellectually of kids watching as a teacher damn it i wish parents would do that more often <laughs> but this didn't do that so where's the consistency and again this brings into question Muffet's ability to be a formidable and consistent showrunner. Say what you want about RTD. The flavor of his episodes were consistent from week to week, whether or not he actually wrote them. Even the brilliant ones like Blink still felt like it fit in the era. This doesn't. If Muffet really is writing a more intellectual and demanding family episode, what the hell happened here? Because I'm sorry, not only did I get this now, but I would have gotten this when I was 13 too. So if he really is writing to the teenage, he really needs to get his other writers on board. Or maybe Ulan's right, and this is just his buddy, and he ignores it because he doesn't want to fire his buddy. His first Man in the Moon was great because it was very much a standalone, and it was beautifully shot of the budget that it was, and he's a great little actor in it. But I'm bored of seeing him on British television. I wanted to highlight the directing in the Night Terrors episode. I thought it was really beautiful the way it was filmed. And just from that first shot when the TARDIS is 
materializing and you see the pool of water and well, just had don't forget that was just Richard Clark and he did yeah. Doctor's Wife oh, oh shit oh, it was the same guy oh, visual wow. subtlety yeah but he also yeah. Gridlock and Lazarus Experiment he did Gridlock too yes. oh Gridlock. shit no wonder visual Beautiful. beauty yeah it was I loved it you know and I thought the filming of the inside of the dollhouse was really well done too they did oh, a brilliant it. job of visually not hitting you over the head with what it was story wise they <laughs> But if you hadn't figured it out yet, visually, there were very few subtle clues in there what was going on. And Rory saying, shit, everything would be so much cooler if the lights were on. The script hits you over the head, but the directing doesn't. Should we move on to favorite quotes? Yep. Snow White and the Seven Keys to Doomsday. Damn it. Fuck you. It's no bad, dude. That was cool. That's what I was going to say. You suck. (laughs) Anybody doesn't know, Snow White and the Seven Keys to Doomsday was something my parents didn't take me to. Because at the last minute, John Pertwee pulled out and they thought he wouldn't be interested if John Pertwee wasn't in it. So unfortunately, I don't have the claim to fame of going to the Adelphi Theatre in London. I'm not better. Oh, no. While we're on the subject, they threw away all my Doctor Who <laughs> weeklies out the loft. Moving on. No oh. way they did that. Oh, my God. Yes, way. Are you okay? I'll be, I'll be fine. I'll have another drink. <laughs> so this is why you're an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. Anyone else know? Oh. Yeah. When the kid says, I'm afraid of clowns, and he goes, oh, yes, perfectly understandable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> clowns are evil. Yeah, they fucking are. The next one's supposed to have a lot of rooms that have fears in them, and one of them's a clown, so I reckon this doctor might have a bit of a thing about clowns, oh. which will enamor oh. me to him no end. Well, one of the quotes that I could imagine being absolutely terrifying for children was watching the doctor going, and one thing I can tell you, Alex... Monsters are real. Yeah. I quite like the pantophobia comment as well, actually. Fair Not a fear of pants, though, because it's a fear of everything that will include <laughs> pants. So I suppose in that case it is. Uh, anyway. My favourite phobia is linophobia, which is the fear of string. <laughs> Genuine phobia. But the doctor mentions phobias quite a bit because he mentioned stexophobia, didn't he, in the one with the giant silly wasp? Does it seem like there's more memorable quotes in the Moffat era than the RTD era? The writing yeah. is crazy. Oh, yeah. Very sharp. If you ever watch The West Wing, it is loaded. Every episode, there's 70 awesome one-liners. Just so funny. The writing is bang on. The dialogue is crisp. It's witty. It's clever. Even if the story's pants and there's holes you could drive a fleet of TARDISes or even Dalek <laughs> yeah. ships through. The dialogue is perfect. It's beautiful. Yeah. The characters are drawn so well. And God, Matt Smith, everything he gets to do is so awesome. And he can take a mediocre episode and make it 10%, 20% better. He's got that character down so well. And whatever crap's going on around him, he plays it very sincerely. And with everything he's got... Yeah. But all the doctors have. That's one of the things that's defined the series, I think. Yes. They've all been brilliant, all 11 yeah. of them. Yes, they, they anchor the bullshit. Fuck off, Fuchsia. <laughs> <laughs> Someone turned me on to a great clip of Sylvester McCoy doing the speech from the Pandorica. He does it really well and by the seat of his pants. I'd like to that. hear William Hartnell doing that. And now we return to the adventures of William Hartnell as Doctor Who. We really have to say our goodbyes now. Say goodnight, Terry. Goodnight, Terry. Uh, I was waiting for that. You've been listening to the Dirty Hooers Doctor Who podcast. Follow us on iTunes or at DirtyHooers.com. Find us on Twitter at Dirty Hooers. Oh, yeah, we're also on Facebook. See you next time. 
is what we've said before. The dialogue. Fucking is... rabbits eating my passport. Go on, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> if oh, it's yeah. not the rabbit, it's the cat. <laughs> or it's Terry. Or it's smart goddess. <laughs>